This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. It is so good to be with you. Thanks for hanging out with me. You're great company. Tonight, uh, you're going to take this show just about anywhere you want to take it because it's open lines for the first hour of the program. It's not something we do a lot of, but tonight is the night. And here are the numbers. 416-360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. Again, 416-360-0740. 0740 and toll free from just about anywhere, and I mean anywhere. 1 866 740 4740. 1 866 740 That's right, open lines. Uh, Ian Robertson is here, fresh from his East Coast tour with his rockabilly band, Grease Marks. Great name. You are the drummer? Is that right, Ian? All right. Uh, Albert Vinzel is here running our Hangout on Air. And if you want to watch the live stream of the program, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Let me spell the last name for you. S as in Simon, Y-R-E, T as in Tom, T as in Tom, at Richard Serrett. You just click on the HOA link. That's the uh, the tweet at the top of the feed. And Elbert has, uh, per usual, posted his usual assortment of fascinating tidbits and stories in the slide carousel up at the website, strangeplanet.ca, or, if you'd rather, strangeplanet.tv. Both of those will work. That's our new landing page, Strange Planet, and then you just go to the radio page, and you're in. A reminder, uh, once again, that Season 4 of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, the TV program now. I'm talking about the television program. It's going to debut. Season 4 will debut across Canada on Vision TV. Uh, And I still don't have an exact uh, air date, uh, but uh, it is, I believe, slated for the fall. And uh, I will get that to you as soon as I can, an exact air date. Season 4 of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, the television program, uh, coming soon to Vision TV. And uh, th- thanks to executive producer Moses Neimer and uh, everyone for Vision, for their vision uh, and all of their support and guidance uh, over the years. Uh, this marks, this month rather, uh, marks the 10th anniversary of the uh, Honorable Paul Hellyer's UFO speech. Some would say groundbreaking UFO speech at the University of Toronto. Uh, he, of course, Canada's former deputy prime minister and former minister of defense. He came out publicly and announced that he is convinced that UFOs and ETs are real, just as real as the planes flying over your head, I believe was the exact quote, uh, and uh, that are, they are not only visiting the planet but are 
interacting with human civilization. And he, he became, at that time, the first person of cabinet rank in the G8 group of countries to go public. Uh, and as I say, in the, uh, in the world of ufology, this was a huge deal. It really was. Uh, and uh, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network, who uh, joins us from time to time on The Conspiracy Show, uh, was really, we have to give credit uh, to him. He was the, uh, the man responsible for convincing Paul Hellyer to go public. Uh, Hellyer was very hesitant to do so uh, for quite some time. And uh, the, Hellyer, uh, while he was defense minister, he really had no u interest in UFOs, no real knowledge of them. And it was only many years uh, later that uh, he happened to read Colonel Philip Corso's The Day After Roswell and made some inquiries with some brass, uh, military brass in the United States, who he says uh, confirmed everything in Corso's book. Uh, but it was Victor who kept Adam and uh, with gentle and persistent uh, persuasion. And finally, he did. He convinced Hellyer to speak, and that happened 10 years ago this month. I don't know the exact date, uh, but it's in and around right now. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to get uh, Mr. Hellyer back on the program. Uh, he is now 92 years old, uh, but uh, still, in, in, uh, from what I understand, incredible health. Very tall gentleman. Uh, just great presence and posture. Uh, so we look forward to having him on the program again soon, maybe after the federal election up here. Uh, we are also just a couple of weeks away from the last of the four blood moons. We've had three of them, and we will have the fourth to complete the tetrad. Uh, that's, that'll be four blood moons over the last 18 months, and that's going to happen, the last one, on September the 28th. They began in April 5th, on April 15th of last year, uh, which was followed by another red-colored lunar eclipse on October the, 11th, uh, October the 8th of last year, and then a, th uh, a third on April the 4th of this year. So the fourth in the series of blood moons, uh, which have had six full moons in between, which is interesting, uh, it, it's all set to happen again on September the 28th. And uh, this incredible alignment of blood moons has only happened a handful of times in the last 2,000 years. Uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but the, um, the whole subject of blood moons and the mystery of the Shemitah and harbingers, which we've discussed on the program with Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, uh, this has become the number one search engine topic over the last several weeks as we approach the 28th. Something like one in 10, one in every 10 internet searches had to do with this subject. I mean, it is incredible. It's on, the, the, the internet is on fire uh, with, uh, with this discussion. Uh, now, uh, the, the idea here is, and a number of, of prophets and a number of end-time scholars have warned that this time, this the final uh, blood moon, which uh, coincides with the the 29th of Elul, and more on that later, this is going to uh, coincide, supposedly, perhaps, with some huge calamity. It could be natural, could be man-made, could be an economic collapse, war, 
terror attack? Who knows? And as I say, this has all been happening at the same time as the uh, the Shemitah, this seven-year biblical cycle, which is quite a fascinating subject all on its own. The, uh, the Shemitah year is the seventh year of the uh, seven-year agricultural cycle mandated by the Torah for the land of Israel, and it's still observed in contemporary Judaism. Uh, when Moses received the Levitical law, God gave the commandment to rest on the seventh day, the Sabbath, right? Moses also applied the cycles of seven to weeks and years. So a cycle of seven weeks points to the 50th day, called Pentecost. And a cycle of seven sets of seven years points to the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee is based on letting the land rest every seven years. And also it, it has to do with the, the forgiveness of debt. So if money is owed, it's all wiped, the slates are wiped clean. So every seventh year, the Shemitah or Sabbath year, uh, would cause the land to rest when sowing and reaping. Buying and selling would, would come to a standstill. And, and the Shemitah is also unique in that it specifically affects the nation's economic and financial realms. As I say, it wipes out all accounts of credit and debt. However, for the nation that departs from God, this is the warning, from the nation that departs from God, the Shemitah becomes a sign of judgment. And this was the discussion and or the subject addressed in... Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn's book, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and, and previous to that, The Harbinger. And the year, the year of the Shemitah, reaches its culmination on the last day of the Hebrew year. Now, those of you keeping score, at sunset tonight, marked the 29th of Elul, in the Hebrew calendar. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Rosh Hashanah. Jewish New Year. So we are in the midst of it. So what happened in the last two Shemitah years? The uh, Shemitah year of 2001. America was attacked by radical Islamic terrorists. Quote, end quote. Nearly 3,000 people died on 9-11. That happened on the Shemitah year of 2001. The Shemitah year of 2008, America experienced a stock market crash. This was on September the 29th. The market fell 777 points in one day. The greatest one-day decline in the history of Wall Street. Again, all this happening on the 29th of Elul which is the day preceding the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar. Just as the crash of the stock markets of 2008 was also the aftershock of 9-11, the extended aftershock correlated with Isaiah 9-10. And these two events were tied together. Seems to be impossible to unravel. Seven years apart. It goes on and on, if you're familiar with Jonathan Kahn's uh, work. Uh, again, the two greatest stock market crashes America has ever known, both taking place on the exact biblical day, separated by the exact period of time ordained in the Bible, seven years to the day. 
both occurring on the one biblical day appointed for the wiping out of credit and debt. A coincidence? Well, as I say, 29th of Elul, sunset last night. A happy New Year to all of my Jewish friends and listeners. Rosh Hashanah. Well, the, uh, the stock market was uh, closed today. Let's see what the, uh, the morning brings, shall we? Uh, here's something that's interesting. And let me remind you, open lines now until the top of the hour. I'll give you these phone numbers once again. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll free from out of town, one 866 740 Here's something else that's interesting, and I'm sure you took note of this in the final days of the Shemitah. On the anniversary of 9-11, we had that horrible crane collapse at the Grand Mosque in Mecca, killing at least 107 people. This crane, incidentally, apparently, according to the reports I've read, was owned by the Bin Laden family. Again, happened on 9-11, crane collapse in Mecca, killing 107 people, owned by the Bin Laden family. While around the same time, across the pond in New York City, a double rainbow was stretching across Manhattan skyline. Timing of these incidents, quite unsettling, really. All right, open lines. You tell me where you want to go, and we'll do just that. When The Conspiracy Show continues in a moment, my name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. We don't do this very often. We really don't. Uh, Open up the lines for you. Uh, And uh, I don't know if there's something wrong with the phones, uh, but they're not ringing, folks. Uh, And uh, this this type of um, event doesn't come around very often. So if you want to uh, weigh in with something, as long as... It's in keeping with the uh, the spirit of the program, of course. We discuss conspiracies and the paranormal. Uh, I suppose we sort of branch out into uh, other areas. I mean, we, we paint on a pretty broad canvas here on the program. Oh, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about and have wanted to talk about for some time was what's going on down in the United States and what I, what I see as probably the most fascinating um, a presidential primary uh, season ever in history with uh, with Donald Trump. And um, again, this is not a political show. Um, and quite frankly, I'd much rather talk about that than I may take, take some heat for this, but the, uh, the election up here in Canada, which is several weeks away, uh, a never-ending campaign, I cannot recall a more low-energy, uninspired campaign in my lifetime up here in Canada. But south of the border, uh, have you seen the latest polls? In the latest polls, assuming Donald Trump wins the Republican nomination, he beats Hillary head-to-head. He now beats Hillary Clinton. Now, had, had someone suggested that six weeks ago even, four weeks ago, they would have been laughed out of the room. This is real. He could win the White House. This is no longer a joke. So uh, we can talk about that because the implications to me are astounding. I mean, this is potentially historical. I mean, this is groundbreaking stuff because Clint, or, uh, rather uh, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, what he has managed to do 
in my mind, is break the hold that the political elites, Republican and Democrat, smash their hold on the electoral system. He doesn't need their money. So we can talk about that as, uh, as well. All right, we have uh, Andrew is in Palmerston, Ontario. Andrew, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you. Fine. Uh, my question is, um, all this money that's being collected and spent to find aliens in space... What do you uh, mean, money that's being collected? Well, it's because don't they have SETI? What is the SETI? Isn't right, that, uh, right. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how they're funded, but it's not a government program. But, uh, okay, there's SETI, and then, of course, there's uh, Stephen Hawking's initiative with this Russian billionaire that are attempting to do the same thing. Right. I think it's kind of ridiculous, and it's an insult to people's intelligence when we know that there are aliens working with government military, and they're trying to tell us that they're looking for aliens? Isn't that a kind of a slap in the face and thinking people are dumb? Well, <laughs> to some people, Andrew, it certainly is. But for, for many others, uh, you know, that's not a conclusion that they would draw. Uh, they don't necessarily subscribe to that notion that E.T. is here. He's inter- interacting with, with human civilization. Not everyone sees it that way. Well, what's your what's your thoughts on it? Don't you think that reliable pilots who have seen UFOs and alien craft and, and have specified uh, in their reports that it was occurred? Do you think those people are not reputable? I do. I think that I think the phenomenon is real. The question is, you know, what are they and where do they come from? And I I happen to be one who does not subscribe. And I know again, this gets you. This will get me stricken off some Christmas card lists uh, out there in the uh, the UFO community, but I do not subscribe to the notion that they are extraterrestrial. Well, Paul Hellyer, who was a former defense minister, claimed that uh, we have aliens working with yes. the military in the U.S. Now, I, you know, uh, do you what what do you think? Should you believe what he's saying, or is he lying? Uh, no, I don't think he's lying. I think he believes that, and I and. Uh, the question is, you know, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about extraterrestrials or are we talking about something else, something perhaps interdimensional? Well, if we had a, a Roswell where, you, where craft had crossed during an electrical storm and bodies were recovered, now how much more evidence do you need that uh, there are aliens uh, and uh, we have their craft? Well, that's assuming that everything we've heard about Roswell is true, and, and that's what Paul Hellyer was saying, that, that uh, everything that was in Phil Corso's book, The Day After Roswell, he says he has it on good authority from military brass in the United States. I'd like to know who we talked to. Um, now, I, let, let's face it. There are some problems with, with Colonel Philip Corso. He wasn't necessarily exactly who he claimed he was in terms of – I mean, I suppose that's an arguable point. Uh, what, I've, what I've discovered about reading about Phil Corso is that he was, he was given to uh, exaggeration at times in terms of the his, o- in, the only, his influence. The uh, only reason I can see that the military would withhold this free energy is that uh, they would be worried that perhaps Arab states would uh, take that uh, ability to uh, uh, cause harm to the U.S., and that's why they don't want to reveal the new ways of propulsion. Well, that is sort of one of the official, or not one of the official, one of the theories as to you know why we have uh, this uh, lid of secrecy, that it has to do with the suppression of free energy. And the only thing I, I would like to add to this to you tonight is that you're doing really an interesting program, and I uh, thank you for doing it. I appreciate that. 
Thank you for uh, for checking in from Palmerston, Ontario, Andrew. Thanks. You have a good night, a good morning. There goes Andrew. All right. Uh, you know who I want to get in here that um, has not been heard on the airwaves, although he's been working with me for some time. And it's uh, Albert Vinzel, who is my uh, my long-suffering, hard-working uh, story producer who joined me as an intern. Um, what, about... Has it been about a, a year and a half, Albert? Almost two years now, yeah. Almost oh. two years. And I got to say, you're doing terrific work. And I thought, you know, people should hear from you. So I wanted you to get on the air, and, and I think we're going to institute a semi-regular feature here. We'll do sort of a mailbag, uh, because I've had some email and some letters piling up. So I thought, I thought we could have you be the voice of this segment, Albert. And uh, do you have a couple of emails and letters there? Okay, thanks. Yeah, I pulled three out of the bin, and there are three good ones. Our first one is from a past guest, Archbishop Ron Fail, and it's a thank you letter. It says, um, I wanted to thank you for your professional interviewing skills and for asking all, all the right questions when I was on your show. There were 19 people who were listening to the show contact us for help. We should just uh, just let me interrupt, uh, Albert. We should we should point out those who didn't listen to that program. Archbishop uh, Fail uh, came on to talk about uh, exorcisms, uh, and so he's saying that after appearing on this program, nineteen of our listeners reached out to him because supposedly uh, or presumably they had some sort of uh, I don't know possession possession or or or, or uh, su- uh, oppression or possession. Fascinating. All right. And it goes on, as I said before, this is the reason why I do these radio interviews. Thank you once again. In his service, Archbishop Ron Fail. All right. Order of Exorcists. Our, the other letter comes from good old Snail Mail. And it, it's, it goes, Dear Richard, Sir Rodney Biftark of the British Astronomy Society says scientists are on the verge of locating where heaven is in outer space. And soon people will be able to travel to heaven without the pain and discomfort of dying. Once they meet God, they will be granted everlasting life and will be free to travel back and forth between heaven and earth. Yours truly, Kingsley. Kingsley. I, I, I left out the last name. I, I'm, we, we checked if there is such an astronomer and I, I couldn't find anyone named uh, uh, Rodney Biftark. Rodney Biftark. It sounds, yeah, that sounds a little uh, satirical. Uh, I noticed, uh, I, I, now the, the actual name on the, on the letter, you can read it, Albert. Oh, okay. It's um, yours truly, Kingsley Dwerbsniffy. Dwerbsniffy. All, right. <laughs> All right. Not his real name, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, that's, I think, a little, uh, little tongue-in-cheek he wrote that letter. However, that's amusing. Uh, and you had one more quickly, and then we'll move on to some calls. Sure. And the last one is uh, on a more serious note, and it comes from a targeted individual who heard the show with Michael Fitzhugh Bell. Mm-hmm. It says, Dear Mr. Sirrett, I am currently targeted and have been for a little over a year now. Even though the stalking aspect began many years ago, I didn't realize it. I love your comparison of TIs with exorcism, because that's absolutely what it is. It's like an organized murder. I was followed by police officers and abducted and diagnosed with so many different things. It's just an organized way to discredit someone for life. It's pretty terrifying. 
then it, it, the letter is fairly long, but I uh, abbreviate parts of it. And he goes on to alleviate the symptoms is by electromagnetic shielding. Um, and that's the solution he would recommend to anyone who believes they're targeted. And he says you can shield yourselves from these weapons via Faraday cages and Faraday suits. All right. Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's typical. I get, uh, as I, I think I mentioned last week or the week before, I get one of those letters just about every week now or emails. Albert Vinzel from uh, uh, the mailbag. Thank you for that, Albert. All right. Let's, uh, let's say hi to Bud, who is in Boston. Hey, Bud. Welcome. Good morning. Hey, uh, good evening. Or good evening. Uh, you have a wonderful show. I discovered you on drives between Boston and Toronto, and uh, just fantastic. Oh. Uh, you're, uh, I think, a highly talented interviewer. I appreciate and, uh, it. Uh, but, but forgive the intrusion for one second, because I just, you just prompted a, um, something that I, for, I, forget, I forgot to mention. You're in Boston. And tonight, I was supposed to and forgot announce a new affiliate uh, that we have. It's WNTN fifteen fifty in uh, Boston. I think the transmitter is actually in Newton, which isn't too far. Uh, that's uh, WNTN in Boston. So you'll you well, should be I'm, able. To- I'm going to do a test and see if I can uh, pull that in from where I live. All right. It, now, they do play the, the program delayed, so um, I'm not sure exactly what day. You'll have to check their program schedule. Well, that sounds, that sounds great, though. Uh, Boston uh, needs a guy like you, and you do a wonderful job on the coast also. I appreciate that. Uh, so I, I, anyway, I wanted to just give you a little color on this uh, political situation. And uh, when I, what I said to your uh, your call screener first was I said if there's, if there's any particular paranormal activity, it's where Donald Trump is right now in the election cycle. <laughs> and, uh, it is, it, it is amazing, isn't it? It is and, amazing. And it, you know, I, I do a lot of work on uh, kind of market demographics and things in my regular uh, job, and uh, there there's something definitely going on here in the U.S. in terms of the general population and their sentiment, and I think the mainstream politicians didn't catch on to it until things like a Gallup poll, I think, that was released recently said that, like, something like two-thirds of um, Hispanics in America um, are upset with the current immigration policy. Things like that are kind of under the surface and roiling the situation. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why a fellow like Trump is where he is, whereas you've got guys like Bobby Jindal, who's a fairly conservative guy, but not popular, but very eloquent, well-spoken, thoughtful. And, and then you've got, uh, you know, your kind of more mainstream guys, some of the, you know, a couple of the senators who are out, out there. Lindsey Graham. Who's, and on the dem- yeah. yeah, and on the Democratic side, boy, those are... I, I haven't seen the Democratic Party in disarray like this probably in 30 or 40 years. It's just, just unbelievable. I don't think Hillary's going to make it. I really don't. It, it sure it sure looks pretty pretty dicey for her and uh you know and and you know it's hard to tell what the what the real perspective is on 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 when the mainstream media covers a lot of the incidents uh, around her, you know, uh but you know what Sometimes you, know, you, you can do something that's just plain dumb, like uh, using a private email server, and, and that that doesn't help you at all in the public perception of your candidacy. And I uh, true, and I think that's the least of her problems, quite frankly. I think yeah. I think a, a far more serious problem is there is a court case looming um, dealing with an arms trader. Uh, oh my. And that has to do with Benghazi and whether or not he was given a tacit approval by the State Department under Hillary uh, because I, th- I think that's what the, the raid on Benghazi was all about. And I think 
Uh, it had to do with running arms out of uh, that uh, diplomatic outpost um, and, and um, uh, you know, funneling those arms into those that were fighting Gaddafi. And that was, uh, that was in contravention of the law. Uh, so there's that. And then, then quite frankly, there's her, the, the fact that she is utterly devoid of charm. Uh, she certainly didn't get any of that from her husband. Uh, he, he had boatloads <laughs> full, to be sure. But, uh, uh, well, do your best to rattle the cages from the great north. All right, bud, in Boston. And listen for us on WNTN 1550, which is where Howard Stern got his start back in 1975. A little bit of trivia there for you. Bud, thank you for that. Back with more Open Lines here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. Open lines. And I mentioned earlier, I thought maybe there was something wrong with the uh, the phone lines. Uh, there is not. They are jammed. Uh, so as one caller drops off, you can try to get in on the action. Ed is in London tonight. Ed, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hello. Hi there. Great. I'd like to make a comment on Donald Trump and then ask a question about Phil Marshall. All right. Uh, first of all, I think you're right when you pronounce the fact that he's in good. The, the, the higher he gets in the polls, the more in danger he's in. I did mention that a couple of weeks ago, and I, I tweeted as much. Uh, yeah, I'm just hoping that he makes sure. I really want not, you know, I'm not wishing ill on the man. I'm, I'm actually, right. uh, uh, truth be told, uh, very, uh, I'm more than amused by him. But uh, anyway, I, I don't want anything bad to happen, but he really needs to be careful. Yes, and I'm thinking if he's from New York, and uh, with the anniversary of 9-11, if he starts asking questions about that, that might be... Uh, Compounding his troubles. You could be right. That's true. Although I, I, I don't see a Donald Trump as a 9/11 truther. I could be wrong, but we right. shall see. Well, and you wanted to speak about. I want to talk about is poor Phil Marshall. Phil Marshall, the author of the Big Bamboozle, uh, who um, I, I, I met on several occasion, uh, occasions, and then of course, um, a couple of years ago, he, um, we are told. Uh, shot his two teenage children before taking his own life, and there's a great deal of controversy about that. He was a former United Airlines uh, pilot, uh, and some have suggested that um, he was suicided uh, in order to silence him. Let's let, you know, think about it. There's no better way to discredit someone uh, than to turn them into a murderer and then... You know, uh, they take they're, they're silenced by their own hands. So anyway, what do you what do you make of the whole Phil Marshall? Oh, it sounds uh, very curious. Mm-hmm, indeed, sounds yeah. typical of uh, someone who knows something and wants to talk about it uh, coming to a, a sad end. Have you read Phil's book? No, I uh, listened to your interview a couple of times. Uh, you had with him. I tried to get the book, but it's now up to three hundred dollars. Is that right? And I've gone from five dollars to three hundred. Oh boy, I've got. Uh, I don't uh, know why I don't have a second edition, but uh, I've got an autographed copy sitting on my fantastic. desk somewhere. Uh, why haven't we had a follow-up program about him? Are we going to just leave him uh, die in vain? Or well, I um, I know that a couple weeks after I learned of his death, I played that interview again. Yes, I heard it. Um, yeah, I really don't know what's going on in that investigation. I know there were some people who took it upon themselves to look into it. I don't know how far they got. One of the things I heard, and I don't know that if this is fact or fiction, uh, was that uh, the the murder weapon was supposedly found in Phil's hand, but he it was the wrong hand. Friends said he was right-handed and it was in his left hand or, or the other way around. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't say that I knew him that well. I, as I say, we met uh, in Santa Monica for uh, for the TV show, which that episode um, hopefully will air at some point. Um, and um, he, you can never really tell, of course, but he just seemed like such a calm, thoughtful, uh, decent person. No inkling whatsoever that he would be capable of something like this. And the well, interesting autopsies on the internet. And it... Ah. It's quite convincing about him uh, being bipolar and all kinds of uh, amazing things. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know if it's to be believed or not, though. Yeah, I, like I say, I don't know him. Here's the interesting thing. Yeah. I think I may have mentioned this. Um, I wonder if we get Cyril Wecht turned on to this thing. If he gets a hold of something. Yeah. Cyril Wecht, yes. That's the guy. Here's the interesting thing. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned this on the air, but after I found out about uh, Phil's uh, uh, death and the horrible... Uh, tragedy and uh, taking his his two teenage children as well. Uh, I immediately, and this is something I do. Uh, uh, maybe it's you know it's kind of morbid, but I always go when someone I know passes away. I go into my email to see when our last correspondence was. Right. Uh, and I, re- I had remembered that uh, Phil and I had been on the email back and forth maybe three or four times uh, several months prior, and. Um, I went to look for them. I, now, I'm someone, I do not delete emails. I do not delete emails, ever. I went to look for that thread. It was gone. Mm. Gone. And I always thought, why, that's kind of strange. That's kind of strange. Yeah. Hey, Ed, uh, thanks for the call. Thanks for checking in from Hope London. If someone even keep his memory alive, I would like to see the media on there. The topic. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to look. If, if you happen to know of anyone, if you see anything online about an investigation, send me an email and we'll try to do a show. We should. We should do a, a, a follow up on that. I think so. Thank you. All right. Thank you for, uh, for that, Ed, in London. Quick time out back with uh, more of your calls here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. All right. Uh, further to the, uh, the call from uh, London asking about Philip. Marshall, the late Philip Marshall, and he, he mentioned uh, the autopsies online, and they, they said that uh, Phil had uh, uh, bipolar disorder. I didn't know that. Uh, it is, I'd, I'd be curious to know when he had been diagnosed with that, because he was an airline, he was a pilot for United Airlines. And um, I don't think had he been uh, diagnosed with that, he would have been allowed to fly. I could be wrong. However, we will try to do a follow-up show on, uh, on, on Philip Marshall. And if you haven't uh, read The Big Bamboozle, you really ought to. Uh, although, according to uh, our friend in London, on Amazon it now, or eBay or wherever, it sells upwards uh, to uh, $300. And it's, it's not a very thick book. It's just a, a small little paperback. All right. Uh, Andrew is in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Andrew, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, well, and thank you for having us on. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, Jade Helm 15. Um, yeah, we haven't heard a lot to... about that. We haven't heard much about that lately. Yeah, well, and it's officially over, and I wanted to just uh, see if anybody in your audience uh, has anything that they would want to say about it. Here in Colorado, um, in Denver area, we've actually seen... <clears throat> It still seems like it's still going on, you know, uh, helicopters moving around and a few convoys here and there. It's quite strange. Well, I, um, um, I, I, I certainly I didn't I have to be honest, I didn't buy into the 
uh, hype that this was some, going to be some sort of precursor to martial law. I, uh, I, I never believed that. Uh, I do think that uh, Joel Skousen, who's been on the program uh, a fair bit from World Affairs Brief, I believe he is onto something when he suggests that uh, Jade 15, uh, Jade Helm 15, is uh, it's part of a continuum, a continuum, and that is the idea is to condition uh, people uh, to a military presence. Uh, so who knows? Maybe next year we'll see uh, a similar operation that lasts a little bit longer, that's a little bit more visible, and maybe there'll be sort of this gradual ratcheting up of this military presence. Yeah, that's a very good observation. Um, and if I could, uh, I would like to change gears for just a moment, and I would like to ask you a question about uh, different dimensions. Well, uh, I mean, we know they exist. I'm not sure what the count is, but theoretical physicists, I know at one time they were talking about up to 12 additional dimensions. Um, so I don't know where we're at now. But uh, yes, as, and as someone who... Uh, I do believe in a, uh, a spiritual world, a spirit world, an unseen world. Uh, so I do believe in in the existence of other realms, if you want to call them an angelic realm or a demonic realm. I suppose uh, heaven and hell could be uh, seen as, uh, as some sort of a dimension. Uh, I don't pretend to be an expert on what they look like or, you know, where they are. But uh, to answer your question, yes, I believe in the existence of hyperdimensions or, or, uh, or realms, if you will. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I've looked into, it's called M theory and it's kind of like the dimensions are like a sliced loaf of bread. So you can't necessarily, it's not easy to cross from one slice of bread to the next, but together it's a whole. Interesting. That's an interesting, uh, sort of metaphor. I liken it to, uh, standing over a, a koi pond, you know, a goldfish pond. And um, now it's, this doesn't exactly work because goldfish are, you know, they, they are able to sort of perceive us up above and they can look up. But imagine they're swimming around and they really have no idea that we're looking down on them. And all of a sudden we stick our finger down into the pond. And when that finger breaks the surface of the water, uh, I'm wondering, you know, the fish must be thinking, well, where did that come from? You know, what is that? And, and to me, I mean, we're in another dimension. Uh, and they're not aware of our dimension. So to me, that is, I think, what's really going on, and that explains a lot of paranormal activity. It's something happening from an, in another dimension, uh, reaching into our dimension, interacting with our dimension, and we perceive that as a ghost or as a UFO or what have you. Well, that is great, and I really appreciate your opinions, and thank you so much for all your work. We really love listening to you from Colorado. All right, Andrew. Now, uh, this isn't Andrew McAllister, is it? Yes, sir, it is. Andrew McAllister. How is that young son of yours, Caleb, doing? He is doing great, and he's running around right now. Ah, well, please uh, give him a big hug for me. Uh, this is uh, um, Andrew and his uh, lovely wife reached out to me uh, quite a while ago, and they have a young son, Caleb, who has been uh, battling cancer. And I mentioned uh, he's uh, apparently my my biggest, littlest fan out there, and... Uh, uh, he's up late, isn't he? He's a, he must be just a, a real ball of energy. Yes, yes, he is. And he's a night owl. And if possible, can, can you say hi? Is he there? Calum? Hi. Hello there, Calum. How you doing? He wanted to do a shout-out. So. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. My pleasure, Andrew. And all the best to you and yours. 
Yes. All right. You're in my we'll thoughts and you're in my thoughts and prayers. Young Caleb of uh, fighting cancer. Oh, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Right. Uh, and by all accounts, uh, Caleb is whipping cancer's ass. So that's a great, uh, great, great news. All right. Uh, who do we have next? It's uh, Tony in Toronto. Tony, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. Uh, I'm glad that you have open lines because I've always wanted to. Uh, Express a simple opinion because there are a lot of people who, for some reason, jump to conclusions just because, uh, you know, uh, they believe uh, just that uh, the universe is so big, therefore there's got to be other civilizations out there. And I'm thinking simply this. If there is all kinds of civilizations out there, why is the devil spending so much time here? And that's all I got to say. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, well, I, goodbye, Tony. It's the Fermi uh, paradox, right? If if the universe is teeming with intelligent life, then where are they? Um, well, some would say, well, they're here. They they are among us. Uh, and you know, I I'm again probably in the minority on this, but I do believe we are unique in the universe, in this physical universe. I'm not talking about other uh, dimensions, but I think we are alone. I really do. We are unique. Um, that's not to say that there aren't interdimensional uh, beings interacting here. I, I certainly believe that to be a very, very real possibility. Uh, let's see. Duke is, uh, we don't know, Duke is in parts unknown. Duke, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? How are you doing, Richard? Very well, sir. Where are you calling from, Duke? Scarborough. 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 All yeah. right. Now, we want to talk about Trump. All right. I uh, I don't believe he's going to get elected. And, uh, you now, know when why? you say, you, do you believe he'll get the nomination, or he no, won't get? No, he uh, won't get that the either. Two guys you have to watch, watch out with: Bernie uh, Sanders, and uh, what's the other guy? The second guy, I forget his name. Uh, well, Bernie Sanders is the Democrat, and uh, he's he, got. Yeah. He's and narrowing the, the gap on Hillary, but he's certainly, if he's going to get the Democratic nomination, he's got a long ways to go. Well, there's another guy. What's his name? Ben Carson. Uh, yes, the, the retired neurosurgeon. I've I'm I'm, got to be honest. I'm a big fan of Ben Carson. Well, okay. Both of the, uh, Bernie Sanders is Jewish, right? He is. And ben, and, and ben Carson is also, they're both Sabbath worshippers, right? Ben Carson. Well, I don't know. Uh, what's I know Ben Carson is a Sabbath worshiper. Okay. A lot of Sabbath worshippers are mad at him because uh, he's a conservative, kind of don't care about the poor. But uh, Well, that's certainly not... Uh, well, he, he certainly does care about the poor. I mean, he rose okay. from uh, incredible hold poverty. Uh, yeah. Hold on for that call. All right. I'm not sure Duke went to put the cat out or something, but uh, are yeah, you there, Duke? The thing with these guys are two Sabbath worshippers. Those okay. are the guys you have to watch out for. I think that... I don't I, I'm not following. Be, what is it? What is worshiping or, or fo uh, following the Sabbath? Uh, the to... Sabbath worshippers is wor worshiping on the uh, Saturday, the original, like in the days of. Uh, right. No, I understand. Is the I understand. They worship on, and both uh, Ben Carson is a Sabbath worshiper. He, wor he worship on a Saturday. And so is Bernie. I think Bernie Sanders is Jewish, and he worship on a Saturday. Well, I don't. I think I'm not sure if, if I think Bernie Sanders has has proclaimed himself to be uh, an agnostic or an atheist. I'm not 100 well, percent okay, sure. But he's about a root that. of uh, of the uh, of the okay so race that worship on a Saturday, right? Yeah. Well, listen. I don't know where you're going with that, Duke. But well, I, I'm going to say that uh, be, because of this, right? Uh, 
I think uh, I think they're going to be a religious leader kind of getting in there. I, I think uh, uh, I don't think there's going to be any other uh, Anglo-Saxon uh, person going to be in there anymore. I, it's, I just have a theory. I just have a feeling. All right. I well, I don't. Be, yeah. Not being, it's nothing to do with race. It's just to do that. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, people that are. Uh, of different nominations of different nationalities are going to get it. I think the, uh, the what happened. I think America has a curse of, of all the stuff they've been discriminating a lot of people. But uh, I well, just think those two guys are you going to have to watch. Well, I am watching Ben Carson with great interest. Uh, yeah, now he's a Seventh Day Adventist, but um, uh, well, as I say, I Bernie Sanders is 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 an atheist, <laughs> yeah, so he's very secular. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, Donald Trump has. Uh, has proclaimed himself to be Protestant, Presbyterian. I don't know, uh, um, you know, how uh, how faithful he is, but he he says that he's a he's a churchgoer and believes in the Bible and so forth. Uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, I really do not see him getting the nomination. Uh, he's closing the gap on Hillary, but he's still about ten points behind. I don't think Hillary's going to get it. I think Joe Biden or Al Gore, or someone who's going to enter the race. Uh, Duke, appreciate the call in Scarborough. Do we have time for no, one okay, more? I'm just going to say, look at Hillary. She's got a mess right now. Trump, something might okay. happen. Okay, yep, something might happen, yes. But uh, no, Hillary, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's got a lot of problems. A lot of problems. Do we have time for one more quick one? Let's say it's, it's, it's unknown in Toronto. Unknown caller. Hello there. Hello. Um, it's good to hear your show. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm uh, tuned in tonight because I've been watching the news uh, all day to get some insight into what's happening in Mecca. Uh, Right. We mentioned earlier the crane that fell at the Grand Mosque uh, collapsed and killed uh, 107 people. Yeah. And there's uh, not just the crane collapsing uh, in Mecca, uh, coincidentally, the uh, government in Egypt has uh, switched hands. And also, this weekend... Well, wait a second, uh, wait a second. I'm not hearing... That this, did this just happen? Are you saying that Morsi has been overthrown in Egypt? Uh, he uh, handed the government over to the president, and the president is uh, appointing a temporary government. Yes, that was, it. That was in uh, this morning's uh, paper. All right. I am not seeing anything uh, uh, on there about that. In fact, the the latest report uh, dated August. Uh, oh no, this is this is old. I'm not getting There's any news. There's a corruption news. scandal. Uh, one of the ministers was asked to uh, resign or did resign, okay. and has been arrested. All right. And I mean, corruption in Egypt—that's so rare. That's very—it's uh, it, so commonplace that it, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that. All this right. is being affected right now. Okay, I've got to run. I've got that music uh, coming, which means uh, we have to uh, to split. Sorry we didn't get to your call. I'm going to look into that because uh, I'm not getting any uh, updated news here online about Morsi in Egypt. All right. Uh, we will look into that for sure. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. The website, strangeplanet.ca. And as always, follow the truth. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. 
Well, hi, and thanks for inviting me into your home as always. Your home, your long haul truck, your cab, your camper, your RV, your cabin in the woods. And a special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM here in Toronto. Uh, all of you, how does a paranoia sound in stereo? <laughs> I got to tell you, the uh, the FM uh, transmitter it sounds great. Listening uh, to it on the on the way in, as I'm driving under the Gardner Expressway, uh, and that's usually when you lose the AM signal. Or if you're driving under the streetcar wires and it starts the, the AM, the the old amplitude modulation really starts to crackle. I just flip it right over to uh, to FM ninety six point seven, and it sounds great. All right. Um, uh, we have a new affiliate. Speaking of which, joining us, WNTN, Boston. WNTN AM, that's 1550 in Boston. Uh, welcome aboard the crazy train. Uh, and I, I, I did a little research. I mentioned this earlier, I think. Uh, WNTN 1550, 1550 uh, back in 1975, that is where Howard Stern got his start. He was on the, uh, on the, uh, the station from August to December. Didn't last very long, perhaps not surprisingly. Uh, so there you go, a little trivia. So, again, welcome to WNTN AM 1550 in uh, Boston. Uh, and a tip of the hat to all of you listening to the uh, podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, TalkZone.com, uh, and our very own Conspiracy Show app. And uh, if you don't have it, it's real easy to get. It's a free download from Google Play and uh, iTunes. Just uh, do a search once you're in the uh, app store for uh, the Conspiracy Show. All right. Uh, as of sunset... Yesterday, just a few hours ago, a handful of hours, it, it's, we are now into Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. So Happy New Year to all our Jewish friends and listeners, also known as the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, yesterday was also the 29th of Elul on the Hebrew calendar, which marks the end of the, uh, the seven-year biblical cycle known as the Shemitah. And of course, the, uh, the 28th of this month, we will see the fourth blood moon in the last 18 months to complete the tetrad. Talk about signs in the heavens. Uh, and I mentioned as well earlier, uh, the, uh, the number of searches online for this subject, whether we're talking about the, uh, the mystery of the Shemitah, the harbingers, the blood moons, at one point, it peaked at something like one in ten internet searches had to do with these subjects. What is going on? Uh, uh, if, uh, people, regular listeners to the program uh, will, will, will know that uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn has been with us a couple of times to discuss this, and we had Mark Blitz on the program uh, to discuss the blood moons. And my, de- my next guest has uh, also discussed harbingers and signs in the sky and biblical end times, uh, Carl Gallup's has um, also appeared on this program. And uh, he is the author of Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation, and a longtime senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Florida. Carl, how are you? I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you for having me again. What, a, what an honor it is to be with you. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, th- this is um, kind of a, a shorter segment we're going to do, and I, I want to uh, let people know uh, that you're going to be on with us for the full hour uh, next month uh, in October. You have a new book out, Be Thou Prepared. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have you on in October for the hour. But we've just uh, because tonight or yesterday was the 29th of Elul, 
Uh, and we are, the Feast of Trumpets, all this chatter going on online, um, and whether or not uh, you know we are going to see some cataclysmic event as we did in 2001 and 2008. So we wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you, listen. you're right. There are a lot of searches online about the Shemitah and the ending of the Shemitah cycle and the beginning of the Super Shemitah, which is the, the year of Jubilee. But, you know, you know, Richard, here's how I, I, I liken it. Here's how I speak of it. This, this month, September, is an astounding uh, convergence of... What, what do I say? Prophetic signs, perhaps? Prophetic events? Uh, uh, prophetic happenings? Uh, d- does it mean something astounding or devastation or ominous is going to happen? Not necessarily, but uh, as Jonathan Kahn has so brilliantly documented, uh, and, and Mark Biltz in, in his book uh, about blood moons, but as these two guys have so brilliantly documented, uh, down through the you know the years, down through the last several centuries, there have been astounding uh, prophetic occurrences associated with these tetrad blood moon cycles when they fall on these feast days, as you and I have talked about before, and and you and others have talked about on your show, as well as this shemitah cycle. But here here's how I describe it, and maybe this will help your listeners. I live on the Gulf Coast and have for many, many, many years, decades. Uh, and, and I live in Hurricane Alley. So every year around in June, a hurricane season officially starts. I don't remember the exact day in June, but it's in June. And it ends uh, September, October. So down here where we live in the Florida Gulf Coast and the Panhandle in, in, in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi Gulf Coast area, that's where I live, Hurricane Alley. I mean, the the big ones have shot right up into our area, you know, Katrina, Ivan, Dennis, these guys. So we, when, when hurricane season starts, we understand that there is, at that particular time, a convergence of ideal conditions that could spawn a hurricane. And it could spawn a major cataclysmic hurricane, and it could spawn a major cataclysmic hurricane that could strike the Gulf Coast. So when hurricane season starts, we make our preparations, you know, we, we, we stock up on our supplies, we get our generators out, knock the dust off, and we get some fuel and everything. We keep an eye on the weather, we watch, but then we go on about our lives. You prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Exactly, because we don't know what's going to happen. Well, let me just say, and, and I'll go through some of these in a second with your audience, but so this September is, is the prophetic hurricane season. That now, and, and I tell folks that doesn't mean something cataclysmic has to happen, but there is such a convergence that the prophetic conditions are ripe for the possibility of it. Because here's what's happening in September alone. Of course, we're ending this Shemitah cycle, as you said, uh, to the, yesterday to tonight, depending upon if you're using the Jewish calendar, Hebrew calendar, or, or what time zone you're in. But the Shemitah cycle has just recently ended. And then we're now beginning the Super Shemitah, or the Year of Jubilee, as well as the Feast of Trumpets. So in September, the Feast of Trumpets falls, the Feast of Atonement then falls 10 days later. Then the Feast of Tabernacles all fall in the month of September. Now these feasts, of course, were going to happen anyway. These are part of the seven feasts of the Lord. But this year they happen to all fall in the same month. 
in which the Shemitah cycle ends, this, seven, this period of seven years, seven years, seven years, this is the seventh year, this is the ending of it tonight, and then, of course, the Super Shemitah begins, and which is the year of Jubilee. That only happens once every 50 years, of course. And then the, uh, the, the Feast of Trumpets begins. Okay, so all of that is happening in this month. Plus, we've got the Iran Treaty uh, possibility of all coming to fruition this month in finality, which many, many prognosticators say that, look, if this thing goes through, it could be a devastation to Israel. Well, of course, we know the prophetic implications of that. Plus, in September, is a United Nations meeting, and of all things, some of the topics are going to be the discussion of the establishment of the state of Palestine, Seemingly, uh, the United States is more inclined towards that than ever under the leadership of Barack Obama. And the Pope recently has called for the formation of the state of Palestine and has officially recognized them. And he's going to be at the United Nations meeting, supposedly pushing for the same thing, addressing Congress in the White House. And on top of all of that, the, uh, the Pope has called for a global government system uh, to deal with man-made global warming, and he's supposed to address that at the UN. So you've got the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Shemitah ending, the Super Shemitah starting, the Feast of Trumpets beginning, United Nations, the establishment of Palestine, a global, a one-world government system being called for. You've got the Iran Treaty possibility. Then, of course, and I know you've done shows on this, you've got CERN in Geneva. Yes. And, and Sergio Bertolucci, one of the scientists, reported in the U.K. Uh, register saying that they were going to try to open a black hole and, quote, send something through it or something might come out of it. They were going to open up other dimensions. Um, then on top of all of that, you've got um, – you, you, you've got uh, Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, that, that gave the uh, Newton's riddle that, you know, hundreds of years ago he, he calculated through uh, mathematical uh, formulas from the book of Daniel that on September 23rd, in the year 2015, is what he said, something very prophetic was going to happen related to Messiah. Now, we don't know what all that is, but people are watching. And then on mm. top of all of that, here in the United States, this month began with the unprecedented jailing of an American citizen, Kim Davis, because she wouldn't sign a gay marriage certificate. Never before in the history of the United States has that issue caused an American citizen to be jailed. And, of course, in June of this year, this last mm. Shemitah year, this, this year of the Shemitah year, in June of this year, the American Supreme Court ruled that gay marriage was binding upon all 50 states. So this has been a very eventful Shemitah year. We're coming to the end of it in September, and you've got the trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, Shemitah ending, super Shemitah beginning, uh, the United Nations, the call for Palestine, the call for a one-world government, the Iran Treaty, the CERN experiments, Isaac Newton's predictions. It is a prophetic convergence that is unbelievable, and as I said, a prophetic hurricane season. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, is that all that's going on? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> is that all you have? <laughs> well, no, here's something. Actually, there are, there are other things going on, and people have websites built around it, but I'm just, I, you know, and the things that, I, that I've given your audience, 
these are things that just are. I mean, there's very little speculation. The Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, that is going to happen. Right. The ending of the Shemitah year, that is going to happen. The well, beginning of the year of Jubilee, that is going to happen. The United Nations, the Iran Treaty, the uh, the CERN experiments, all of that's going to happen. Well, here's, here's a, a few more logs to throw on the fire. Now, um, according to this information I have here, Pope Francis is to visit the U.S., on the 27th of September, that's the day of the final blood moon, and I'm not sure if this is true or whether it's apocryphal, uh, but when he arrives, it will mark the 666th day of his reign. I'm not, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but we'll find out. Yeah. Carl Gallops stays with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. Carl Gallops is with us, the author of Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation. And uh, we should remind listeners that Carl Gallops will be here in Toronto, along with the author of the Nephilim trilogy, L.A. Marzulli, uh, both of them part of a conference or a, uh, an evening live event called As in the Days of Noah. That's happening Wednesday, November the 4th. Mark it on your calendar, Wednesday, November the 4th at the Oise Auditorium at the University of Toronto here in town. University of Toronto, Oise Auditorium, and uh, you can get your tickets uh, through Conspiracy Culture. Our good friends Patrick and Kadena, uh, conspiracyculture.com. You can order them through the uh, website, conspiracyculture.com, or give them a call. Order them over the phone at 416 916 916-1696, conspiracyculture.com. All right, uh, Carl, looking forward to, uh, to seeing you in November, of course. Richard, listen, I've got to tell you something. First of all, it is my honor. I, I can't wait to be in Toronto. Uh, it'll bring back memories. I used to live in Michigan in my younger years and, and was up in Toronto when, when I was a young man and uh, looking forward to being back up in that area. But this morning, of course, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor in one church here on the Gulf Coast for 29 years, have over 30 years of, of experience in, in, in ministry. And prior to that, I was in Florida law enforcement for 10 years and an and, uh, um, officer and investigator. But anyway, so this morning, I'm preaching in my church services, and, and the services conclude, and, and I'm down front just talking with folks and praying with folks, and we had a large crowd, and, and, and a couple of men walked up to me, and they said we were, they said that they were visiting from a town that's, oh, I don't know, 45 miles away, and I said, well, what brought you here? And they said, well, we saw you on the Jim Baker show on, you know, on, on television and the Christian networks, and, and we realized that you were just 45 minutes from us, so we wanted to come. And so we were talking, and, and get this, Richard, they said, you know, we, we really enjoy watching you on all these television shows. And, and they said, do you know a guy by the name of L.A. Marzulli? And, and I said, <laughs> well, I said, yes, I know of L.A. Marzulli, and I know of his ministries. And, and before I could say anything, they said, oh, it would be great if you guys could be together somewhere. Oh, you get out of town. I, they actually I, said kidding. that. I'm not kidding you. And I said to them, I said, guys, you are not going to believe this. I am going to be with L.A. Marzulli in Toronto in November. They they couldn't believe it. They said, you've got to be kidding. I said, no, I'm serious. And I said, Richard Surrett, Conspiracy Show, a dear friend of mine, and they're having me 
up there? And I said, I'm so honored, and I'll be there with L.A. They said, we can't believe it. So anyway, just a little coincidental. Uh, <laughs> more convergences. They yeah, just keep on yeah, coming. Another convergence. <laughs> hey, you know, talking about the convergences, Richard, we were talking about all of them. And, and because I was trying to cram them all in before the uh, commercial, I knew it was coming. I, I, know, I, I know how radio works. You do indeed, I, sir. I, yeah, I, I forgot to mention, of course, in the midst of all of the trumpets and atonement and tabernacle and smita and super smita and jubilee and the United Nations and Palestine and the Iran Treaty and the CERN experiments and Isaac Newton and all of that is the ending of the blood moon tetrad. That's you said right. That right before we went to break. Sep- I mean, just what a convergence. September 28th. Yes. Or, or the 27th, again, depending on your time zone. And that's the date that uh, Pope Francis is to arrive in Philadelphia. Yes. And the day he speaks before Congress is supposedly, I don't know if this is true, but I've read it online, so there you go. Well, uh, if, it, if you've read it online, it is true, then, right? <laughs> but it's, according to the uh, the, the report online, it's, it would be the 666th day of his reign. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. We we need to check that out. I'm, I'm going to try to check it out uh, after the show tonight, but that would be an amazing, woo, that would be an amazing thing. Well, you know, Richard, it's like I said, uh, as we began this discussion, um, it's 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 a prophetic hurricane season. I mean, there's a convergence, and I know the naysayers would say to people like you and me and some of our audience, "Oh, you guys are crazy. Y'all are fools." Well, here's the way I look at it. Look, uh, you know, that's what they said about Noah when he was building his ship in the backyard in the days of Noah. <laughs> right, right. You know, but but of course he was not a fool. He knew what was coming. He knew the signs. God had spoken to him and revealed himself to him. Well, you know, you say, "Whoa, you're saying God spoke to you?" Well, yes he has to anybody who cares to listen. It's called his word. And there it is, and the prophecies are there. We're watching them unfold. We're living in prophetic days, regardless of Shemitahs and blood moons. Listen, we're, li- we're the only generation in the history of the world, Richard, to see Israel return to the land. That's a 2,500-year-old prophecy. We're the only generation to see that. We, we're the only generation to see the convergence and, 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 the, and the coalition of, coalition of nations of Ezekiel 38 that are now aligning themselves for the specific purpose of attacking and destroying a returned Israel. That's a 2,600-year-old prophecy. And we're the only generation to see that happen. We're the only generation to see this, this burgeoning rise of Islam in the Middle East, all for the purpose of destroying Christians and Jews, and particularly the nation of Israel. We're the only generation to see Iran and Russia come together in a coalition for the purpose of nuclear armament and for the expressed purpose of destroying a returned Israel. I mean, we are living in super-prophetic times and now we hit this cycle of the Shemitah ending in September and all of these things that I just said. Plus, Richard, think about this. I mean, this could be coincidental. Yes, it could be coincidental. But so at the ending of this super Shemitah, of this Shemitah cycle, in this month of this hurricane prophetic convergence season, <laughs> on September the 10th, a rainbow, beautiful, gorgeous, appears in the sky, connecting from all the photographs you can see on the Internet to the tower at Ground Zero, yes. which that tower was lit up in this Shemitah cycle in June with the Supreme Court ruling of gay marriage. It was lit up artificially in the colors of a rainbow at the same time the White House was. And on September the 10th, 
the tower was lit up with a real rainbow, as though God was saying, let me show you how to do a real rainbow on this tower. Well, and then across the pond on September the 11th, we had this giant construction crane collapse, uh, tragically killing 107 people at the Grand Mosque in Mecca, and it later was revealed that that crane was owned by the bin Laden family. Yes, that was where I was going next. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And... And and so, you know, you just it's as I said, it's hurricane season. The conditions are ripe. You've you know, you've got the rainbow at ground zero, you've got the mosque and the deaths on September the eleventh by a crane owned by 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 uh bin Laden people and and then you've got all of these things we've been talking about coming together in September and 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 of course Jonathan Kahn who's been writing about this for 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 several years now and then Mark Biltz who's been writing about the blood moons and of course my book on the final trumpets and the warnings and and the days in which we're living and the possible connections to historical events I mean it is it is just astounding now I don't set dates and times and I don't say this is going to happen or that is going to happen. But what I'm saying, let's just look at what is. Israel's in the land. The nations are aligning themselves. Islam is going crazy. They desire to destroy Israel. And then, boom, September 10th, the rainbow appears. September the 11th, the mosque, you know, lightning strike and kills people. The crane falls. In September, we've got all of these things we've been talking about converging. Plus, there's this little thing with uh, Isaac Newton, and I'm not suggesting that he's the prophet of prophets, but he did get several things right about the return of Israel and the rising up of a friendly kingdom before it happened and all these things that he foretold. And he said, he picked the date, September the 23rd, 2015, begins something very, very messianic. So I, I, I say it like this. In hurricane season here on the Gulf Coast, we put our head on a swivel and we keep our eyes open, but we get on with life. And I'm saying that now. Let's get on with life. Let's don't sit around wringing our hands or hiding in a corner, but just understand we're living in extremely prophetic times. The conditions are ripe for some, con- so for, for some prophetic convergences to, to meld together. All right. Well, maybe we uh, need to uh, prepare a little space in the uh, the, the root cellar and uh, uh, <laughs> shutter the windows. Um, let me ask you quickly, because this is something I, that has been thrown out there by those that are sort of poo-pooing this whole blood moon thing. And they say, well, listen, the, because the, these blood moons, uh, interestingly, falling on these uh, Hebrew holidays, yes. high holy days, uh, like days of trumpet and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and that is that well, of course they would because the, the Hebrew calendar follows the lunar cycle. So that would make sense that these things would occur, these full moons would occur on, on uh, Hebrew holidays or the, the, well, the Hebrew calendar. Well, yeah, there, there's some truth to that in that the Hebrew calendar often follows the cycles of the moon. Their, their, their calendar is primarily a lunar calendar with some solar... Uh, uh, adjustments made. Our calendar is primarily a solar calendar with a few lunar adjustments made. So, but 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 they're partly right, except for the fact that this particular tetrad movement is is uh, astoundingly interesting and very prophetic. It seems to be very prophetic. And again, Mark Biltz has done a masterful job of researching this and putting it all together in his book Blood Moons, and he's the original finder and researcher of this. Um, but 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 
but even though people would say, "Yeah, well, it's you know, it, it would always do that." Yeah, but there there have been tetrads like this, and 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 there are many blood moons that don't fall on feast days, and there have been tetrads that don't fall on these feast days. But 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 these tetrad cycles, and of course, your audience knows that tetrad means four in a row, two in one year, and two in the next year. Uh, it but but these tetrad cycles that fall precisely. I mean, this is a blood moon, not just a full moon, but a, but an eclipse of, of you know a, a blood moon, and for these tetrad cycles to fall precisely in the year 2014 on the feast of Passover in the spring, and then the feast of Tabernacles in the fall, and then the year 2015 rolls around, which is where we are now, of course, and in the spring another blood moon fell on the feast of Passover, and now in September another blood moon falling on the Feast of Tabernacles. Passover, Tabernacles. Passover, Tabernacles. Four blood moons in two years, the Tetrad. Another one like that it doesn't happen, if, I, if, if, if I'm remembering correctly, for another couple hundred years. And, so, and those, the, the, the two in one year and two in the next, the Tetrad, bookending six, uh, six uh, full moons. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and so what Mark Biltz has researched and discovered is, is that on these tetrads, down through the last several thousand years, where they fall like this on these feast days, Passover tabernacles, Passover tabernacles, um, and they only happen, you know, in, in, you know, decades and decades and sometimes centuries apart, that some pretty astounding things have happened over the years that seem to be, you know, uh, prophetically, if you will, connected. E- it either, look, it's either a great big fat coincidence or... It's signs in the heavens, signs in the skies. And, and if somebody wants to poo-poo that, all I can say is, look, the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, are very clear that God works through signs in the heavens, including using, of all things, blood moons. Those words are in the Scriptures. So, you know, uh, we're, we're in, I'm going to use it again for the sake, uh, for the sake of sounding redundant here, I'm sorry, but, but I'm going to use it again. We're in a prophetic convergence hurricane season. It's the season. We, the, the, the elements are there. We need to just be paying attention. All right, Carl. Well, thank you for this, and uh, we'll, um, we'll see what happens on the 23rd. Yeah. Uh, and then we will talk to you, God willing, in October. Yes, and I certainly look forward to October and again in November. What a, what a great treat that's going to be. Carl, leave us with a website. Yeah, carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com. G-A-L-L-U-P-S, carlgallops.com. All right, thank you. Talk soon. Thank you. God bless you. When we come back, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal investigator with our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. Stay with us. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. She joins us every time of this month for our Paranormal News Roundup. She's one of the leading experts on the paranormal with I think it's close to 60 books now published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics. And her website, you really need to check it out. It's visionaryliving.com, visionaryliving.com. And we've reached her live on the line from the Bay Area in California, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. How are you? Richard, I'm doing quite well. Very busy on the road. I had a great weekend here in San Francisco doing some research and events. Um, San Francisco is always an exciting city. And uh, what's the nature of your research? Can you uh, divulge that? 
Well, some of it is metaphysical, and uh, it's about uh, transformation of the Earth. I have a whole line of research that I call the interdimensional Earth, which is about our expanding consciousness. And then some of it is paranormal. Uh, and uh, I had a dream event here, too, uh, about uh, the creative, spiritual, and healing aspects of dreams. So it was really a multi-pronged trip. Uh, I don't know if it's related to you know all the full moons that we've had, um, and we're, we have another one coming on uh, the twenty eighth, I believe. I was mentioning that earlier, but I my sleeping pattern has been very weird, and I've had a lot of weird dreams. Uh, we need to talk at some point off the air. <laughs> Is there a connection, though, seriously, between the full moon and and, and dream and dreaming? I do believe there is, because um, the moon does influence moods, and that's been very well established, even scientifically. And uh, when we have uh, these, um, uh, it's really magnetic energy that's affecting us, and that can influence our dreams as well. So um, people do have uh, uh, unusual experiences. They might even be more open psychically during full moons. Uh, they might be flooded with certain kinds of emotions, and our dream life is also affected as well. well one of my little guys, uh, the last full moon we had, he could not sleep. Uh, he was up until 3 o'clock in the morning. He was bouncing off the walls, and it wasn't a sugar high. It, I, I think it had something to do with the full moon. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that has been documented uh, are things like that, the kinetic energy, uh, and, of course, it's been famous, you know, for decades that police uh, report an increase in not only just uh, criminal activity, but weird criminal activity. And hospitals report more emergency cases coming in and uh, more strange accidents and things like that. So uh, whatever emotional state we're in can be amplified by the full moon. I, I believe it 100%. I mean, the anecdotal evidence, it, there's just mountains of it. I don't think you can even dispute it anymore. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us for our Paranormal News Roundup. Again, her website, visionaryliving.com. Okay, I wanted to ask you, uh, you and I have talked in the past about uh, uh, black-eyed children, which, quite frankly, just, you know, the image, imagery of that. You know, someone alone in a parking lot, all of a sudden the car is surrounded by these black-eyed children, uh, it, the creep factor is just off the scale. And apparently, uh, they have returned the black-eyed children or a black-eyed child uh, to a, a region of England which is, uh, is pretty famous for a lot of paranormal activity. It's a beautiful section of England called Canic Chase. That's right. And, uh, in fact, we're, we... Uh investigators in the paranormal, we are seeing uh, an increase in black-eyed children cases and also now black-eyed adults. And uh, we're having to call them now black-eyed people because it involves adults and children. And um, they do show up in areas where there's been a lot of paranormal activity. I think literally there are interdimensional doorways. Um, But um, uh, they have been making more approaches to people. Uh, I, I used to get just occasional reports of black-eyed people activity, and, and now I get uh, them all the time. Every week I'm hearing a case where someone has been out somewhere and has been approached by one of these strange entities looking human, whether it's a child or an adult, and uh, they're, they act strange. They have solid black eyes. They have sinister energy. 
and uh, they really do frighten people. And uh, there have been documented cases where um, individuals say that uh, these entities, they really are entities masquerading in kind of a humanoid form, uh, they have the ability to affect people for long periods of time, especially if they touch them. And it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, a lingering energy that they're able to attach in some way to people and affect their health, their moods, nightmares, uh, even um, uh, kind of a wasting away sort of feeling. Well, they, I, I've heard tell of, of people uh, being in, uh, approached by one, and they will ask for a ride, or they will ask to come into your house. So that's an invitation you don't want to accept. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about the black-eyed child returning to Staffordshire or Canuck Chase. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. We'll also talk doppelgangers, telephone telepathy, and time slips right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. And we are back with Rose Mary Ellen Guiley for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. Paranormal investigator Rose Mary Ellen Guiley, the website visionaryliving.com. We were talking earlier about uh, Canuck Chase and uh, a woman's encounter with a black-eyed child. Uh, she heard a, a scream in the woods and uh, uh, encountered, I guess, what appeared to be a, a 10-year-old girl with her hands over her eyes. Uh, and then when she lowered her hands, she saw a rather horrific sight, a, um, a, well, black eyes, no iris, just completely black. Solid black eyes. And, of course, she was startled. And uh, she literally jumped back. Now, she was with her daughter. And instinctively, she grabbed her daughter and um, just looked away for a brief instant. When she looks back, this black-eyed kid is gone, just completely vanished. Now, this is an area where there's been a very long history of a lot of unusual activity. There have been reports of what are called hellhounds, the uh, black spectral dogs, um, dogmen that people will often call, call werewolves. There's UFO activity um, and even something called pigman. Uh, and uh, so I'm not surprised that uh, an encounter like this would happen in, uh, in that kind of area. Uh, and uh, there have been other reports of black-eyed kids uh, in this area as well, going back into the 1980s. So the question that researchers have is, why are we seeing an increase in these kinds of cases? Is this just like um, an entity picking uh, yet another shape-shifted form to kind of scare people in? I think that's part of it. Uh, or is this like a new kind of entity um, making its way into physical reality? These black-eyed uh, people, um, they, they do seem to have the intent to vampirize energy off people. And we do see that in certain kinds of demonic beings, that they will scare people. They'll, they'll shape-shift into some form that will scare people. And that fright uh, puts off uh, an energy that, um, that they can literally use. And uh, even if they just vanish, they've got what they wanted. They've got life force energy off you. What, what should you do if, you're, if you encounter a black-eyed child or a black-eyed adult, aside from run? Well, <laughs> right. If, if you can collect your wits about you very quickly, and oftentimes people are so startled they don't know how to react, uh, what you do not want to do is have any physical contact. And it's a good idea to uh, back away or get away uh, as, as quickly as you can. Um, and uh, uh, don't allow it to reach out and even touch your clothing. Uh, if if uh, this 
being this black-eyed kid, ask for help, or even a black-eyed adult um, with a, you know, they 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 want help. They want you to do something for them. Say no, um, and just get away. All right. Um, I want to move along to this this next one. This one kind of hit hits close to home. I think you and I have discussed or discussed on air before, Rosemary. My my sort of my lone. Uh, paranormal experience involved seeing my own doppelganger. This was uh, on the night or early morning that my father was buried back in uh, the late 1980s. And then I see this article on on the BBC uh, entitled "The Disturbing Consequences of Seeing Your Own Doppelganger." And and they tried. There was a uh, a, uh, a student in neuropsychology at the University Hospital in Zurich who was sort of attempting to unravel this whole mystery about seeing your own doppelganger. Make, can you make any sense of this for me? Well, it, uh, seeing your own doppelganger, uh, here's something else with another very long history. And according to folklore, if you, if you see your own double, which has been documented throughout history, uh, it's a very bad open. It, it means uh, in some cases, in some beliefs, that you're going to die or die within the year, or you're be going to become seriously ill or something bad is going to happen to you. And uh, people have had very startling experiences of seeing their own double. Well, uh, we do project a double sometimes when we have a spontaneous out-of-body projection, and I've seen my own double. Oh, you have? uh, I have. And uh, I uh, I had an experience some years ago where I fell asleep uh, on the sofa in my living room, and I got up. Uh, and went into the kitchen, and, and when I came back out in the living room, I saw myself still asleep on the sofa. I had projected myself um, out of my body, and uh, I was very disoriented as to which was the real me. And uh, I was able to, like, merge back into myself, but it was very disconcerting. Um, now, sometimes when these doubles are seen, uh, they act in a very mechanical way. Sometimes they seem to be kind of ghost-like. Uh, there are cases where people uh, seem to be very real and solid, uh, even uh, talk and have kind of minimal conversation. Uh, and um, not all double cases, uh, doppelgangers, do end up with uh, bad things happening. But um, there have been cases where uh, people have uh, died within a certain period of time, and there's speculation as to whether or not this is uh, some sort of preliminary departure of the life force, uh, you know, in preparation for making a transition. Um, Nobody really knows. Animals will project their doubles, too. And I've documented cases where uh, people have seen doubles of their pets while their pets have been sleeping in the house. Uh, and they see a double of their pet, they think the pet is up and moving around and it's still sleeping uh, uh, in another part of the house. And in some of those cases, it, it is a, a precursor to a passing away. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, something bad did happen. I, I washed out of university that year, so maybe that was, <laughs> it was an omen. Uh, Rosemary, we have about five minutes here, so let's, uh, I mean, I could talk t- to you about doppelgangers all night because this is something I can relate to, but I, this is another area, though, that we should discuss in the five minutes it remain because a lot of people have this uh, this experience as well and it and it's about telephone telepathy everyone's had an experience where the phone rings and they know who's on the other end before they pick it up right uh, could be someone they haven't heard from in years too 
Absolutely. So it's not necessarily just a, a call you're expecting. And, um, you know, now we've, we've got some studies, you know, uh, actually documenting this. This is one of the most common forms of, uh, of psychic connection. Um, and also people pick up on intentions. Um, like you'll think about calling someone, and then you'll get a call from them. And uh, you, you'll find out that both of you were thinking of calling each other at about the same time. Right. So um, we do have this uh, telepathy uh, going on all the time, and the telephone is one of the most common ways that it manifests. And uh, Rupert Sheldrake, who's a, a very well-known scientist from uh, England, and uh, he's documented uh, a, a lot of cases of um, presentiment. Sure, the sense of being stared at, one of his famous uh, books. Being stared at, and then he did an, another wonderful study on uh, pets who always know when you're coming home before you get there, even mm-hmm. when you alter your habits. And so now he's looked at uh, telephone telepathy as well to document this scientifically. Um, but, you know, the average person already knows this. This is one of our, our most common uh, experiences, but it is nice to see uh, science actually coming up with statistics uh, that show that this is not something that's accidental or random, that it happens far more than chance. Yes, he, he conducted, apparently, Rupert Sheldrake did, five experiments from 2003 onwards, and they all showed what he called positive results with hit rates above what would be expected by chance. Well, that's right, and he, he conducted over 2,000 trials uh, altogether, and his hit rate was 41.8%. And um, what he would expect by chance would have been right around 33%. That's right. That's uh, remarkable. Uh, remarkable. It is. So uh, I'm always glad when science can document these sorts of things. And what, what do we learn from this? Well, uh, I think when we become more aware of this faculty of ours, we can put it to use in very positive ways. Because you, you send out an intention uh, and um, others can pick up on it. Uh, and um, I think we need to learn how to use these abilities in uh, very productive ways. Uh, these are not just random accidents. It's part of our consciousness that uh, is taking us into the realm of developing extraordinary abilities. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe we should try an on-air experiment sometime uh, to do with telephone telepathy. I'm not exactly sure what that experiment would entail, what it would look like, but uh, something worth uh, investigating. Uh, what, what are you working? Some... Sorry, what's that, uh, Rosemary? Let me, give... oh, let me give it some thought, and it would be interesting to conduct some experiments. Exactly. What are you working on these days? Uh, I mean, I know you're you're researching in, in in San Francisco. Is this for an upcoming book? I always have several books in the works, and yes, I'm, I'm uh, developing a book on uh, multidimensional portals and what I call the interdimensional Earth, which is about our expanding awarenesses uh, via the increase in extraordinary experiences we're having across the board with UFOs, Bigfoot, uh, paranormal activity, uh, spiritually oriented activity, contact with higher beings, and uh, I think that... Um, uh, this is pushing out the bounds of what we call ordinary reality mm. in very dramatic ways, and it's changing very rapidly. It, it seems the, 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 uh, the veil uh, between these dimensions is, is, is thinning. 
Um, uh, but sadly, we, we're gonna, we have to lower the veil, uh, lower the curtain on this segment because uh, we are out of time. But uh, uh, we will, we'll get into time slips next time we have you on the program and, and give that telephone telepathy experiment some thought. We'd love to do something on that. Uh, I'm sure we can come up with something. Excellent. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, visionaryliving.com. Thanks, Ro. Thank you very much, Richard. All Good right. Night. Good night. Back next week with a brand new program. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.